happening everyone welcome to a brand new episode of total football club brought to you by the blue wire hustle network my name is alex perez thank you all so much for joining us yet another week we're getting closer and closer to christmas and it surely surely feels like the christmas spirit is upon us follow us on twitter on instagram on facebook on tiktok at total food club subscribe to the podcast apple podcast spotify youtube rate review do what you got to do. That goes a long way, and we definitely appreciate that. Let me bring on my guy with the Chelsea hat, Chris Sued. <laughs> Massive three points this weekend. How do you feel? You, Chris Sued, and how do you feel about your your boys, Chelsea? Uh, I feel great, man. That was a – we shit house to win. That was a classic Chelsea win this past weekend. Um I'll be honest, it, they had me nervous, man. They had me really nervous. They had me really nervous, but um, it was a really, it was a really entertaining match. And I think what 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 happened was we saw a winner's mentality. And and I know that's very biased of me, but I think after the the last couple of results didn't go our way, some some of the players that were on that pitch were like, "Fuck no, we're not gonna lose. We we refuse." And that that shows me a, a lot of promising signs for this year. So we're still in the race, you know. We we I think that that probably would have had us a distant third, but uh, it was it was a great showing, and 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 it showed what what you need to to be title winners. So I don't I'm I don't I'm not a thousand percent confident we win it but i think they definitely showed why we won the champions league and that we have that that mentality that we're forced to be reckoned with yeah it's it's the grit it's the mentality that that really sets chelsea apart from from other teams and that's why they're still competing for the for the title and you might some people might even go out on a limb and say that that they're one of the one of the favorites for sure but uh yeah man this title race is just crazy we know those three teams and the good part was that they all played on Saturday, so we all got to see what they were going to show this week. Manchester City, they they struggled a bit. I'm going to talk about them in a little bit. Not necessarily about them, but about their opponents. Uh, Liverpool, they struggled a little bit against Aston Villa. Chelsea struggled against Leeds. So it's a very difficult time of the year right now, and especially with the weather getting colder. And, or well, In England, it's always cold, but the amount of fixtures that you have they all pile up it's crazy it's it, it it's a lot it's a lot for these players and you really need to be in good shape because by the looks of things just by the calendar and basing it on on common sense and common knowledge you don't really train much you just you play you recover maybe like a film session or whatever and that's it so you need to have that already in your mind you need to have it like a like a CD burned in your mind. This is what we're going to do. This is the philosophy, and we have to run away with it because we don't have much time to prepare. A lot of games piled up. Yeah, that's that's what makes it all fun, man. It's like 
your identity versus mine because we don't have any time to train for one against one another and uh yeah it's really this is the festive schedule this is when they start playing three times uh every three days and it's gonna get really fun um today's tuesday so i think we play again on thursday man i'm a i'm I'm a pig and shit. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Let's talk about one of uh, something that I watched, and it in- involves one of the teams that Chelsea is competing for the title against. That's Manchester City. Manchester City faced Wolverhampton this weekend. It was a tough game at the Etihad, but I'm not necessarily going to talk much much about what happened during the game, the tactics, stuff like that. I'm going to talk about one incident that just. It, it was so incredibly bizarre. Chris, I see you're smiling. You know exactly what I'm going to talk about. It was so incredibly bizarre. Raul Jimenez and his sending off late in the first half. To add some context to what happened, and I'll, I'll let you guys know exactly what it was. There was a foul right in the center circle. It appeared to be a counterattack that, that Raul Jimenez was trying to stop. He pulls Rodri, or he fouls him rather. The ref gives him a, a yellow card. I thought it was a bit rigorous. It was a little bit too tough. I don't think that was necessarily a yellow card, but it is what it is. So be it. Rodri tries to play fast. He tries to get the ball back into play quick. Raul Jimenez does not track back. He doesn't give the necessary space to allow Manchester City to play again. And then as Rodri plays the ball, Jimenez sticks his foot out and, of course, he deflects it. One of his teammates gets the ball. He asks for the ball to so he could play it through, but that's obviously not legal. So he gets a second yellow card. Within 30 seconds, he got his yellow card, and then he got a second yellow card, and he was sent off. For more context, Raul Jimenez is the best player that Wolverhampton has right now, along with Adama Traore. And he was sent off against Manchester City. We all remember what... Adama and Raul Jimenez did to Manchester City a couple of seasons ago. I'm not saying that that would have happened, but the game changed completely. And if Wolverhampton already had a tough task without Raul Jimenez, it was even tougher. But Raul Jimenez, what are you doing, man? What are you thinking? That that's that is a very very poor way to leave your team severely decimated. And I think he should know better because he's the best player that that this team has. And th- that's that's a severe lapse of judgment and. It's it's not who he is. I'm sure he went to the locker room. He probably he was upset as can possibly be. But man, this was bizarre. I've never seen anything like that before. That was that was something. Yeah, I was. I'll be honest. I was surprised that um, that the ref gave that, and he should have. Don't get me wrong. It was definitely the right decision because he stuck his foot out and made contact with the ball. Mm-hmm. It's just we saw. Uh, uh, Mo Salah, you know, kick a ball away in front of a ref mm-hmm. when, when they when they played Chelsea earlier this year. So refs were told this like you know slow it down on the descent, slow it down on the yellows because we're not here to see refs. We're here to see properly played matches. Um, so I'm surprised they gave it knowing that they gave away the yellow right beforehand because they that second yellow essentially gave away the game. So I was surprised they did so. Um, other than that, you can't really say much to defend Jimenez because, like you said, you got to know better. You, you've he's played high, high quality and high intensity matches both for club and country, so he should know better. He should know 
Yeah, they might book me here. And if they might book me and I'm gone, we're we're done. So yeah, he he had to know better there. Even if even if he was upset and even though he was, you know, trying to trying to rub salt in the wound a little bit and, and not let them not let them get away with a fast break with, with on the foul, it was it's you can't you can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah. You cannot, and that 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 is uh, that is bizarre because as a person that has been watching Raúl Jiménez play for for a while now, ever since his days at América, he's very disciplined. He's a very disciplined player. He doesn't he doesn't really look for problems on the pitch. He he's he he plays a very clean game. Whenever people speak about him, he's he's people speak about him very highly. I don't know if you've watched the documentary Code Red on the Wolverhampton YouTube channel. It's a very, very good documentary. It's about 50 minutes long. It's all about Raul Jimenez, the injury, the recovery, how he's doing now. They interview his his girlfriend. They interview his parents, his brothers, his sister, teammates, Connor Cody. Everyone speaks so highly of him. Granted, it's, it's a documentary about Raul Jimenez, but even outside of that documentary, people speak very highly of him. So that's why I think that it was just a lapse of judgment. Maybe it was just frustration for Raul Jimenez because that's not the player that he is. That's probably not the person that he is because, again, everyone speaks so well of this Mexican sensation. All right, Chris, what did you watch this weekend? And I think I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, it's not this weekend. I actually saw it today. I saw right, the, right. The, that redraw of the Champions League uh, group uh, not group stages, knockout stages. It was utter madness, man. Um. <laughs> UEFA did it again. They they did it again. It's like every year we always have suspicions that they they that the the, the the competition is rigged, and then this year because they they did it live and they had all, all everything there for everybody to see, all the clubs and all the fans called them out on it. So it was it was a, a unbelievable spectacle this morning when uh, all the clubs involved issued statements that they were sending. Uh, appeals to, to, to UEFA for the Champions League draw. Instead of seeing who uh, who my team was going to play against, all I saw was UEFA did it again. It was like, oh, my God. And then and then watching the, re, the, the, the redraw was was a spectacle upon its own. Like, just watching these guys trying not to mess it all up. It was uh, – it's very interesting. I think, I think Real Madrid were the big losers of, of, of the, the redraw. They were – Gonna play uh, Benfica before the on the first on the first draw, and then ended up playing PSG on the second. So um, I don't know if that's a little a little uh, revenge for the Super League that they tried to pull off last year, <laughs> but it, it is gonna be something special, man. Um, now with the added drama of all this, it's like. Now Mbappe gets to go to the Bernabeu, uh, Ramos and, and Di Maria and Kimi get to get their, their vengeance as well. Real Madrid gets to try to stop Ramos. So there was a lot of uh, really tantalizing uh, uh, matchups. I think Liverpool got matched up with Inter Milan, which mm-hmm. is going to be fa- a fantastic matchup. Uh, Chelsea got Lille and everybody's you know celebrate, saying that Chelsea is celebrating that because... Of the people we could play, Lil are probably the, the the weakest historically. But 
me personally, I see Lil with with Jonathan Davids and 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 all these great players, and I I can't do it, man. They they I can't put it past that they that they can have a result against us. They they just won League One last year, um, and I think it's like the perfect trap game. And I felt that way with when we played Porto last year as well. Like mm-hmm. this is a really strong team that no one's taking serious, and we should steamroll. But those type of those types of matches are really tricky. So I, I think everywhere across the board, all, that whole group of sixteen was just really interesting and fun. I, I, I'll be honest, and this is not a dig at them, but I, I miss Barca, man. It doesn't feel right not seeing Barcelona on that on that uh, on that page. It's like. I don't know. They, I, it's going to be fun seeing them play against Napoli, and that's a whole different topic. That's the Europa League, but it, it is different to to not see them there. But with with all the the drama of the the, the draw and then the redraw and then all these these really chasing uh, matchups, we got enough drama as it is. But me personally, it's a little weird not seeing not seeing old gang there. <laughs> Yeah, well, three things, three things that I want to touch on and piggyback on what you just said. The first one you forgot, to, I, I I think you forgot to mention Messi going back to the Bernabeu, playing against Real oh, Madrid. True. That is, we, we we all know, yeah, exactly, the jersey. He might, if he scores, he might take it off and show it again, not with the 30, not with the 10 anymore. <laughs> um, the, the second thing, Barca versus Napoli is going to be fun for who? Not for me, because I don't, I don't think Barcelona is <laughs> going to advance, honestly. I don't think they're going to advance. Napoli, They. I haven't watched much of Napoli this season, but I've seen some of the numbers that they're putting up. It's not the end-all, be-all. I know that. I personally am not a big fan of just looking at the numbers, but still, you start a league undefeated for five, six, seven games, however long it was, however long that streak was. I think that it's, it's probably not a fluke. And the third thing, uh, this is a question for you and a question for everyone listening. Have you ever heard, Chris, of the of the hot and cold balls theory? Not, I, I, not necessarily a theory, because someone actually came out and confirmed it. But have you heard it? Yeah, I have. I, I heard it, but I'm not like too well versed in what it is. But in essence, they 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 cool some of the the the, the ping pong balls so that they they. I guess they come up or they cool most of them and one of them stays warm, so that one comes up. But I just know that they manipulate the, the ping pong ball somehow so that they have a certain outcome. Exactly. And you know who was the person? And actually, I'm going to confirm this myself just with a quick Google search. But before I even begin, do you know who was the person that confirmed that to the world? Who's that? None other than former president of FIFA. Set Blatter. He confirmed wow. it himself a year after he resigned. He said it. He's like, yeah, we use hot and cold balls to fix the draws in the World Cup. That's what we did. Fuck. That's scary. Mm-hmm. That is scary. And and he he well he he said that that in um, in European championships too, or UEFA tournaments. So what makes you think that they don't do it still? Just because those guys aren't around and they're not in front of a camera anymore. Does it, you think Gianni Infantino really cares much about the integrity of the game? You think Alexander Cheferin cares about the integrity of the game? No, they care about the business. They will always care about the business because that's what it is. I was actually reading a YouTube comment this morning because I looked up one of the videos and 
it said, who else feels like soccer? Well, they use football. Who, who else thinks that football just became a business a few years ago? It doesn't even feel like a sport anymore. And a lot of people were really commenting on that. I don't necessarily agree with it. I feel like there's still plenty of passion in this sport. Fans, players, owners, whatever the case may be. But there is a lot of people that are in it just to benefit financially at the expense of people like us who are incredibly passionate about the game. But, man, I mean, th- does this make you question every other draw that you've seen? I, I didn't really take the mass series as it was, but this is like, all right, now you guys got caught, and I'm glad I'm glad that there is evidence, cold, hard evidence. How do you feel about the other draws, Chris? No, I, I honestly, when all of FIFA got seized and all of their leaders got put into to prison, <laughs> I think that was like a big wake-up call. Like, yeah, Qatar probably wasn't the best place to hold the World Cup. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, some of those matchups did seem like they were really – favoring the, the commercial side of the, the game so to me what's actually it's funny someone asked me this morning it's like so do you guys think the fix is in it's like do i think the fix is in i've known the fix is in for years <laughs> like this isn't this isn't a new story it was it was funny that they did it live today and everybody saw it which was like a, a really big red flag but yeah this was that UEFA, that FIFA, get, have their have their, you know, hands in the in the in the draw so that they get the best possible matchup commercially, doesn't surprise me at all. Doesn't surprise me at all. And um, Seth Blatter, all of those guys are are in prison and and and, you know, it, it was all for 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 getting paid off and all that stuff. So yeah, it it, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I will say to your point, the game has definitely gotten more commercialized. Yeah. Where with NBC now getting the, the TV rights over here in the States and um, much, a lot of eyes, a lot of money in the Premier League now. And, and, and by that, extending into the La Liga and say, ah, because now ESPN have their hand in, in certain leagues. It's like, it's definitely getting to a, to a weird place where like, you can kind of see, like, all these big names are going to be at these big clubs and they're going to be playing every summer because all these conglomerates and major corporations and companies and organizations stand to make major profit off of it. As a fan, I'm not going to sit here and say I hate it. You know, I, lo- I love to see these big matches and, and see these, these, you know, these these as many matches as I can, but... You know, it's crazy because we had a, a segment a few weeks ago about the, the World Cup every two years. It's like, that's just, that's they're going to have a World Cup every year. They're going to have a major tournament every year. These guys are not going to have any any rest because that bottom line is is, is what it's what's important for everybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that it's, it's sad, again, because the people that are most passionate about the sport are the ones that end up paying. And it's... That's really where it is, and and you can even see in some of the broadcasts the way that they that they try to cater to the casual fan with bringing in actors and singers and wrestlers and this and that. I'm like, I don't really care what Sheamus from the WWE has to say about Liverpool. I don't care. Yeah. Just put on the game. 
you know i i don't i don't really care what actor so and so has to say just just play the game you guys can do your talking like the pundits or whatever and even them kind of get tired of of them after like 15 20 minutes right but yeah just just put on the game that's what we care about but obviously that's not what sells they they want they want to make it appealing for every kind of fan not just the hardcores like you and i so it's complicated it's crazy the game the game is globalized it's so commercialized now um any little opportunity to make a quick buck and by a quick buck probably like hundreds of millions of dollars pounds euros whatever it's it's pretty crazy man it it, it really is it's pretty crazy but uh you you mentioned something you mentioned it off air too you said that real madrid was one of the biggest losers in in this second draw because they drew Benfica in the original one. I mean, what did Real Madrid expect? Was UEFA supposed to scratch their back for 80 years or so? They were, then excuse the language, but they were supposed to get fucked at some point, and now they did. Too bad. Too bad. It, like, seriously, who feels bad for Real Madrid? Let's be honest. I don't. I'm probably not the best example either. Don't ask me much, but I don't feel bad. I don't think anyone else does either, because <laughs> they're probably going to win. Let's be honest. Yeah, they're they're Real Madrid. When you're, it's like, does anybody feel bad against the 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 USA Dream Team when they have to go up against one of these other clubs or other national teams? It's like mm-hmm. you're you're expected to win. I know it's PSG. And I, I, that it's gonna, it should be fun to knock down PSG. You know, mm-hmm. they took all these, these. They either took your players or they took the players you wanted to sign, or kept the player that you wanted to sign. <laughs> wink, wink. So it should be fun putting them to the sword. And I think I, I, me personally, I learned that last year when my my club went all the way. It's like, shouldn't this is the Champions League? You shouldn't shy away from anybody. I know you don't want PSG in the round of sixteen, but if you don't get them in the round of sixteen, you'll get them the next round. Or the one after that. So if you're trying to win this whole thing, shouldn't shouldn't fear anyone, shouldn't shy away from anybody. So uh, for PS for for Real Madrid, it's an opportunity to knock off PSG and reclaim that 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 favorite status in this competition. Show show all the the the, the gains that they've got under the new coach and and make Messi, make Ramos, make Hakimi, make all these guys pay. Yeah, 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 absolutely, and and of course, there's a lot of 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 different factors in in this game. The ones that you mentioned, and then Mbappe with his could be his his rehearsal for a big move this summer. Could very well be. You never know. There's so much, so much at stake in those games. But yeah, I mean, UEFA just didn't do themselves any favors this morning or or yesterday in the morning. They they they. Our more our time, of course. They didn't do themselves any favors, and they kind of exposed the. I don't want to say fraud because that that's a bit of a big, a big accusation, but it it is a fraud. I mean, it looks like a fraud. It feels like one. It is one. These whole draws. So they exposed themselves. Too bad. So sad. That's what happens. If there's no integrity, if there's no transparency, that's what happens, right? Anything else you want to add before we move on, Chris? Uh, just same old UEFA, same old FIFA. You can change the top, you can change 
the face, but goes to show nothing's changed. And chances are nothing will change. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we return, we're going to talk about La Liga, La Liga race. Did Real Madrid seal their title this weekend already, and it's only December? We'll be right back. Thank you very much. All right, and we are back. Chris Suede, Alex Perez. This is Total Football Club. Let's talk about La Liga, Chris. We haven't really talked about about the league much. We've talked about Barcelona in these past weeks. Of course, we know that they had a managerial change. That's why we were talking about them. But we haven't talked about the top dogs. We haven't talked about Real Madrid. And this weekend, they played against Atletico Madrid, Madrid Derby. And they beat Atletico 2-0, pretty convincingly too. I ask you this, Chris. Do you think that Real Madrid sealed their title already? It's only December. They have a pretty, pretty hefty lead at the top of the table. What do you think, Chris? Do you think that this is signed, sealed, and delivered? Uh, I think it is. I think it is already. I know it's very early. There's plenty of matches to be played, injuries, anything can happen. But, man, if Atletico Madrid are their closest competition and they already beat them in the head-to-head and beat them pretty handedly, I don't know who else can make that that jump. Uh, you know, I've been crying out desperately for it. I, I really like La Liga. I wanted it to have more quality so that it could hold up and give something, another, an alternative product to the English Premier League. And I think this year, with all the other clubs that have stepped up, it's definitely more competitive than it's been in a long time. You got the Real Batiste, you got the Sevillas, you got the Espanol, all these teams that are, you know, historically you know pretty big not not the giants but historically they, they you know they, they've been there they've been at the top of the league before they're finally there and actually pretty have been pretty consistent looking at all those clubs they have quality across the board none of them match up to real madrid and they're not even close uh regarding the points so it's it's really hard right now to sit here and say Real Madrid won't win this league at this point. Um, you mentioned something this weekend that I think is very fair. Uh, their formation is is dated. They play a four three three. I think everybody. I think uh, you'd be hard pressed to see, um, you know, attacking modern sides with that formation now. But um, they they're really organized. They're really organized. They're gritty. They know how to win. Um, they don't have a, a major weakness. You look at their defense, Militao and Alaba are playing really well. If anything, if you had to, if you could sit here and, and pick and choose, you'd probably say that right back position is probably their, their, their biggest weakness. But their defense is pretty solid. Their midfield goes against anybody in the world. And Vinny and, and Benzema are absolutely sh- shredding everybody they play. So I think it's and, – and Ancelotti played this, has, has managed this team before, has been in the clubhouse before, has managed this this league before. So it's not like anything's going to come at him and really surprise him. Barca don't seem like they're up for it this year. They're in a transitional year, which is fine. And other than that, who do you have? I don't, I don't know another – I don't think Atletico – pose a big enough threat to them. So I think it's done. I think I think they're runaway winners. 
Yeah, and you also compare the squads, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. I think it's safe to say that those are the two best squads, man for man, in the entire league. And you saw how they matched up this past weekend, and it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close at all. But I, I do feel that even the way that Atletico, or sorry, Real Madrid is managed, and the way that Ancelotti keeps it, keeps it simple, very like Zinedine Zidane, and it's obvious because Zinedine Zidane learned from Carlo Ancelotti. It just helps Real Madrid. You don't you don't have to reinvent the wheel tactically. You don't have to do something innovative. You don't have to do anything ridiculous. You don't have to play with with I don't know with six strikers or or four or five central midfielders. You just do what you know how to do best, and it's that four three three, just like you said, and you play with that. You play with that. You you have Kareem Benzema that's scoring at will. You have Vinicius out on the left, the greatest show in Spain right now. The three guys in the middle, Casemiro, Toni Kroos, Luka Modric, they're playing like if it was 2017 all over again. The, this is why Real Madrid is so ahead in this league. They have 42 points in 17 games. Their closest competitor is Sevilla, 34. How long will they keep up? Then they have Betis, third place, 33 points. How long will they keep up? It's probably likely that Atletico Madrid is going to end up ahead of them, but they only have 29. They only have 29 points, and they dropped three massive points this past weekend. Real Sociedad, Rayo Vallecano, teams like that. I, I just I can't see them competing. There's, there's really no competing with Real Madrid. There's no competing because, yeah, they... They are good. They are quality, but they are gritty. They. This is something that impresses me every single time that I see it, and it shouldn't because it's almost an expectation that we have. Every time that Real Madrid loses the ball, every single one of the outfield players, all 10 of those players commit to defending. No questions asked. They drop back. I saw Asensio in his own box defending yesterday against Atletico Madrid. Not not by design. It was mainly because he just had to help. They needed his help. I saw Vinicius do the same thing. Again, not by design. Just to, to help out and to get the ball back. Those are the little things that edge Real Madrid o- over the competition. Because, quite frankly, they don't, they, they don't have competition this season. And, and this is why. They're just doing everything correctly. And granted, they don't do anything great. But everything that they do, they do it well. And that counts. That matters. Now, I want to ask you about Atletico Madrid. I know we had a conversation back in May about maybe Diego Simeone no longer being the manager of Atletico Madrid. And I saw his team this weekend. And I saw how even when they were down 2 nothing, they just weren't committing any numbers forward. They weren't putting any, any guys in good positions to score. It, 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 the the wingers were isolated and there was what four guys attacking and like seven madrid players defending why what what what's the point of keeping diego simeone if you know this is what you're going to get why why keep him what why, why? <laughs> it might be too early to, to to speak about this but why what's the point of keeping diego simeone do you, do you see a point because i i just i don't I mean, he got them their two titles and like it's it's their two most recent success 
in, in a while. So it's tough because if it were me, I, I've been watching Chelsea for for 11 years. <laughs> I've seen, I've, 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 we've spoken at length at this. I've seen them been successful managers. Mm-hmm. So when I saw how Atletico were winning um, with aged veterans playing in this format, in this fashion, what I told you was, I don't, I think this is the end of the line because what do you do? Do you just repeat it with the same old veterans? You're going to keep doing it. I don't see any progression there. Instead of uh, uh, a separation, I think they had a contract extension. Hmm. So I think it's very difficult now because now you're not going to fire Simeone. You're not going to fire the guy who got you the two league titles. And the reason why all those players signed for Atletico Madrid. Um, so what do you do? You're stuck. I, 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 I honestly, I don't have, I wish I had a better answer, but I don't, I don't know what they should do. I really don't. Um, I think it's tricky because you think about somebody like, think about a player like Rodrigo DePaul, right? If you think about the teams that were in for Rodrigo DePaul, they're probably the big, the big clubs, right? Like mm-hmm. you'd say the smallest, the smallest stature wise, the smallest club that was in for Rodrigo DePaul was probably Leeds United who he wanted to go, you know, who was after him because Marcelo Belsa loved him. Mm-hmm. A player like that goes to Atletico Madrid because Simeone talks him into saying, he's, you're my kind of player, you're going to play every match, I'm going to have you being in the middle of the park and really be a battery. So you get a, you get the coach out, and what happens to your your, your record signing? I mean, it's it's I, he's not the record signing, it's Joao Felix, but another one who yeah. hasn't really panned out. So... All these players are there for Simeone, and you can say that they're not hitting their top form because of Simeone. So it's a really, really tough position to be in. Um, I would have moved on. I would have been ambitious and tried to take the next step in the the evolution in the club and the identity and all of that. They chose another route. I can only hope for the best for them, but I don't know, man. I'll, I'll be honest. Let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. What did you think about Maceias starting over Suarez? Is Maceias that guy? I, I remember he, like, did he go for big money? Because I was very surprised by that decision. This feels like it's a really pivotal game, even though it's early in the season. And he's he, he benched his best player. Or um, if not his best, his most one of the most influential players for Atletico Madrid and Suarez. Yeah, and, and a guy that can bag you a goal whenever whenever you need one. He brought him in a little too late. Uh, I I say this whenever you are playing such an important game against a bitter rival you go with what you know don't improvise you go with what you know and if what you know is Griezmann and Suarez up top well then you do it you, you trust them because at the end of the day they got you there and Real Madrid didn't show any surprises and they won right we knew how they were going to play. They showed up and they got a 2-0 result. Benzema scored. Asensio scored with a Vinicius assist. I mean, what else did we expect, right? Atletico Madrid, yeah, they they, they overcomplicated it. And by Atletico Madrid, I mean Diego Simeone. So, yeah, you play with the guys that you know are going to give you the results and guys that you know 
have done this before. Mateus Cunha, it's his first season at, at Atletico. And I, the, while I was watching the game, the broadcast, they kept saying that he won the gold medal in, in the Tokyo Olympics and this and that. I mean, yeah, he's probably going to be a great player in two, three years. But against Real Madrid, you play with the vets. You play with those guys that have done that for you before. Maybe they haven't done it necessarily for you and Luis Suarez, but he's done it to Real Madrid as a Barca player. Yeah. Put him put him there. Was he yeah. hurt though? Well, I don't know if Luis Suarez was I don't hurt. Know. I don't know. I just thought that was very curious. I remember seeing the, the starting lineup and I was like, well, that's different. And they, uh, you can, we can say this about Atletico Madrid as well. They were missing their starting two center backs. Because mm-hmm. they had Jeffrey Kong Dagvia at CB, and then the other center back, I don't even know. I didn't I didn't recognize his name. And I was looking for uh, Jose Maria Jimenez because he's a big player for them. He's a big player for Uruguay. Mm-hmm. He's an outstanding center back. So they, they did play their biggest game of the season to date without their starting center backs and got punished for it. But, yeah, um, I don't know if Suarez was hurt. I would have, I would have, if he, if he was, I would have, I would have started him out and then bring in Mateus at halftime or at the 60th minute mark because I, I thought it was, very, it was a very curious decision. You don't, I mean, unless that, unless Mateus has been ripping it up, which I haven't heard to, to, to this date, um, yeah, you, you, you go with what you know, like you said, and I, and I must say, uh, special shout out to Vinicius. He, he had two assists. He, he assisted Benzema on the first one too. Yeah. He's he's uh he's really blossomed, took it to the next level. So that's he I think he's the main reason why they're in first. I think last season with Benzema when they were fighting Atletico and, and just missed out, Vinicius was um you know, he had a pretty decent season, but he wasn't contributing in the final third how he is now, and I think that's been the big difference for them. So I don't I it's funny, I was gonna say I don't know if Atletico Madrid have that player. They have Joao Felix. And and honestly, it's getting a little crazy how bad this kid is 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 falling down in, in, in form because he was he was the next Ronaldo. That was how the world was was building him. You know, that was like the, the world on the street, and he just hasn't lived up to it at all. There. Well, that's what happens when you when you take creative players, creative midfielders or, or attackers, and you send them over to Atletico Madrid. It's not a system for them. It's not a system for them. And and the crazy part is how much money they paid for Joao Felix and how misused he is. This just goes to show that he probably wasn't a signing that Diego Simeone asked for. And, and, and I'll be honest, when I heard that he was going there, I thought, so they are taking the next step. They are. They're gonna. He and the club are gonna take the next step and try to not be so defensive. <laughs> I was wrong. They tried. They tried to pigeonhole him into being <laughs> into a defensive team, and it's it's really painful. That kid's got to move, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has to. He's just. He's he's not doing much there. It's uh, his career stalled. The good thing is that he's what 21, 21 years old, twenty two, something like that. So yeah, he's young. He's very he's young, young, but wherever he goes. He'll he'll probably have a a starting spot and man it's just it's crazy two years ago two years ago when he when he signed to to Atletico Madrid just like you said he was the next big star he was the next Ronaldo and now 
he plays what thirty minutes, twenty minutes in a game, and that's all. They they bring him in when they're down two nothing, or when they're when they're down. Uh, he should be starting. He has the quality to start. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm also glad that you brought up Vinicius because I don't know if you remember when he first arrived, Kareem Benzema wasn't very fond of him. There was reports that or Benzema was telling his teammates, "Hey, don't pass the ball to him. He's playing against us." You know, and now it's like this guy can't do anything wrong. And granted, he arrived at at Real Madrid when he was 19, 20 years old. He was really young. He's still really young. He's still very young. But it took him it took him a while to become that player and especially filling in the boots of the left wing at Real Madrid. We know who occupied that position for so long. It took him a while. He probably struggled mightily and 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 none of us knew what what was really going on, but he blossomed, just like you said. I think that's the perfect term. He blossomed into that player, and now he's he's the most fun, entertaining player probably in the entire league. He has to be with with no Ronaldo, no Messi anymore. Yeah, he's up there. He's ele- he's electric. Yeah, I was telling you when he came off, it felt like the show was over. Like mm-hmm. every time he had the ball, it was like magic was about to happen. So he, yeah, he. I think the thing with, with that we forget though is like these kids come to come to these major clubs and we expect them to just hit the ground running. And it's like, these are 20 year old kids, man. Yeah. It's tough. I know it's very, it's, that's the world we live in. That's not, that's not to fault you or the viewer at home who expect these major stars to play like major stars. But sometimes we as a collective have to take a step back. Even now with Joao Felix, people are probably going to say, Oh, he's a bust. He's, he sucks. He's trash. It's like, take a step back. He's a kid. Sometimes you need a few years to develop into what you're going to be. Mm-hmm. I think with Vinicius, I think he had a really good year. Good, not great. Good year, his first year. And then they signed Eden Hazard, which, listen, if you know me personally, that's my boy. I love mm-hmm. Eden Hazard. I, I can, He's like one of my nephews. Like, I consider him one of my <laughs> sons. But That's so I, cool. <laughs> even, even, even when it happened, I was very confused as to why, because it felt like with the entire team, that was the one spot where they had a young upcoming talent and you're going to block him, you know, block his path to the first team and take his minutes away. But, you know, it's Real Madrid. You, you, you buy the best and you, 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 you get the best and you, you supplement with the best. So, I understood. I mean, I understood it from that logic, but he uh, he he it, it messed with him, knowing that he wasn't the first choice, knowing that he wasn't uh, the big expectation or the big hope for them. I think it messes with somebody when you have that doubt and it hits your confidence, and then you make a bad pass, and then you start getting some dirty stares. It's like. <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure playing for these big clubs. You look at, and it, it's, it's hard because they come from big clubs themselves. But you look at somebody like Usmane Dembele. You, you think he forgot to play football? I don't think so. I think he's. I think there's a, a world class footballer in there. But you go to these big clubs for these big money, and you're expected the world every every match. You better be on or. 
some headline is going to be made and it's it's really tough well yeah yeah and that's something that that viewers or just people in general don't necessarily talk about enough is that the mental side of this game is so incredibly important and and people just don't talk about it enough and using vinicius as an example because he's who we're talking about this kid again at the age that he went to spain a kid that's what he was and he's still a kid yeah he doesn't speak the language probably one of the first times leaving his city let alone his country right it it's a lot it's a lot for these players and yeah it was gonna take him two three years to to get to where he wanted to be and this is probably like this is him on a rise he's not he hasn't yeah. peaked yet i think we're years from seeing him peaking right so there's a lot and, and then of course you mentioned all the all the different elements with with uh aiden hazard coming in and getting certain looks from certain players especially from kareem benzema who became that guy after cristiano ronaldo left it's gonna mess with you it's gonna mess with you if, you, if you're 20 it's gonna mess with you if you're 35 doesn't matter it's gonna mess with you and credit to vinicius for overcoming that and becoming the starting left winger at real madrid despite real madrid signing aiden hazard two seasons ago that that i think that really shows the player that he is and the mentality that he has so good for him he i man it, whenever he plays a classico i know that he's gonna do something for the highlight reel because that's the player that he is he did a couple things for the highlight reel this weekend. Real Madrid has a winger for, for years to come. And it's not a surprise that he's Brazilian. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here in envy, man. <clears throat> I'm a Brazilian national team fan, so mm -hmm. I want I want one of myself. Uh, William was never that stylish at Chelsea, so I've always wanted a Brazilian winger at, at, at Chelsea. So I'm sitting here in envy. I wish we could get – or maybe we get Rafinha or something, but – Hmm. Yeah, uh, Real Madrid is just killing over there with with the Vinicius. They got one, and then they got they got Roddy on the other side, Rodrigo. Who yeah, we right now we're about to do the exact same mistake and say, ah, oh, he's he's not starting every week, he's not scoring every match, he's not the goods. And it's like we got, we got to give these guys time. <laughs> yeah, but and they, then they they, they, on, they bought for on. the future. No, yeah, they bought for the future, so they. They're really well. They're, they're well stocked. Yeah, and next season when it's Vinicius, Rodrigo, and Mbappe up top, we're gonna be like, "Oh shit, here we go again." I think I think it's gonna be uh, Vinny, Benz, and Mbappe, and I okay. think R Rodrigo is gonna be off the bench, or maybe he goes on loan and then comes back, and then they start implementing him as Kareem gets older. But I think it's um. I think they're going to have Mbappe and Vinicius on the wings, and that's going to be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah, that's. Uh, I think I'm going. I'm. I'm going to lose some sleep tonight just thinking about that <laughs> for the next ten years. Um, anyway, uh, anything else you want to add about Real Madrid? I'm sick and tired of talking good about them. No, we can we can <laughs> end it there. I'm done too. All right, good. This is probably one of the few times that you're going to hear us talk about Real Madrid in 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 this. Uh, in this way and now i'm gonna go brush my teeth 
and wash my mouth because I can't, I can't believe I did that. I'm, I'm obviously kidding. Real Madrid deserves all the praise that they are getting. We're going to take another short break when we return. Yes, you guessed it. The unpopular opinions are back because they were a lot of fun last week. I got some shit for it. I knew I was going to get some, but I got a lot of good comments too. And Chris, I'm, I'm sure you, you got some good feedback as well, but we're going to bring them back today. We're going to do it again. That's after the break when we return. All right, ladies and gents, let's finish this off with a bang. We have unpopular opinions again. My goodness, you guys uh, you guys like them. We like them. It's a lot of fun. So, Chris, floor is yours. Give me your unpopular opinion for the week. My unpopular opinion is that uh, 100 million man Jack Grealish made the wrong move in going to Manchester City. He should have stayed at Aston Villa. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, he should have turned down the best manager in the world in Pep Guardiola. He should have turned down the Premier League leaders in Manchester City. And he should have stayed at Aston Villa, I think. Um, I know it's it's a small sample size up to date. I just think that he looked like he was on top of the world at Aston Villa. They could have changed formation, they could have changed managers, and he seemed really comfortable. He seemed like he knew exactly what he was gonna do on that pitch. He seemed like he really liked his teammates, like the football was really tailor-made to his abilities. And at Manchester City, he just looks like a square trying to fit into a certain into a, a circle trying to fit into a square peg. I think it's it's really difficult because at Manchester City, you ask your wingers to be kind of like semi-strikers and kind of like semi-attacking midfielders. So that's why when the Jack Grealish link came up. It made every it, on paper it makes a bunch of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, Jack Grealish is an attacking midfielder who sometimes plays winger and has an eye for goal. That's exactly what Manchester City. That's exactly what they ask of their players, and it's not working out. He's gone thirteen games without a goal, seven games without an assist. He looks lost out there. He's not creating. He's not making magic happen, and that's what Jack Grealish is known for. He was at Aston Villa with, you know, guys who who necessarily <laughs> won't won't even make the the bench at Manchester City, and he was making them look really really great because he he just seemed so comfortable and so so on his game there, and I think sometimes uh, the grass isn't always greener. I've seen my share of transfers where guys go to try to get big titles, they try to go to get the big individual awards. Huh. Cough, cough, Eden Hazard. And it doesn't always work out where the team is fine. The, the Manchester City is fine. They're humming. Uh, the coach is fine. It's not his fault. The player, it's not like he forgot how to play football, but it's just not a match. It's just not going to work out. And right now I'm seeing a lot of early signs that it seems like it's, it doesn't, doesn't quite work out. And you can't always put your thumb on it when that happens. Um, I can give you another another example. Pep Guardiola, uh, you know, is a, he plays a really high press, a really attacking side that, that scores at will. You give him a Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and what's going to happen? They're going to score a thousand goals a season. No, it's a it's a very tricky. Uh, uh, I guess it's a very tricky side of the transfer where you don't, you can't guarantee. You can know the player, you can know his mental makeup, you can see how he's going to fit in with Pep, but it doesn't always guarantee success. 
and it's not indicative of the player or the club or the coach. Sometimes it's just not a fit. And that's where I think this is heading. Okay. Uh, this, th- this took me a little bit by surprise. I, I didn't think that, that, that you were going to say that he made a mistake and, or I, I didn't think that you were going to say that he was better off staying at Aston Villa. Uh, I thought you were going to suggest another big team. Uh, but do you think that this could be a case of Jack Grealish thriving more when he is the big fish in a small pond? And right now that he is just a fish in a big pond, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily have the same drive? Because he clearly has the talent. He has the quality. I'm not too sure, in all honesty. I think... I think- It'd be really interesting to speak to a sports psychologist and see what goes into all of that because it's not like he's not getting burned. It's not like he's not getting minutes. He's getting trusted in big matches yeah. and he's playing with big players. So usually that if you play with better players around you, your stats supposed to improve, not regress. And when with Jack, it just looks like doesn't look like he's enjoying the football much. Looks like he's, he's he looks a little lost out there, and it's tough. It's this is one of the most creative spark plugs in the league. So to see him, you know, kind of floundering, it, it's a little mystifying. Um, there's parts to his game that remind me of Kevin De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. So you would think, you know, that that that's gonna be a perfect fit. You put him next to De Bruyne. You put him where De Bruyne plays, any of those uh, positions, and it doesn't seem like. Um, no matter where they play him, it doesn't seem like he is hitting the, round, the ground running on any of these positions. So I don't know if it's the formation. I I, I don't. I really don't. Maybe he doesn't like the cold. I mean, Aston Villa is in, in Birmingham, so it's not like it's, it's, it's beautiful there and Manchester City's is tundra, but I really don't know. I will say this, and maybe this, this, this you know, has a bit to do with it. He's a... Uh, Aston Villa from the uh, Aston Villa grad from the academy. He's an academy graduate. There's pictures of of uh, Jack Grealish being one, two years old in, in Aston Villa gear. So that club's all he knows, all he's all he's known. Maybe leaving the comforts of home, where his family is all based and where all his friends go and see all his matches. Maybe that has something to do with it, but. To to to, you know, to not to not sugarcoat it too much. It's not like all these play like we were just talking about Vinicius. <laughs> Poor Vinicius is in Madrid with no family, no friends, and 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 twenty years old and having to to pull it all together. So if that's the case, you know, it's it's not a good enough excuse for Graylish. Yeah, yeah, it it could very well be that mental side that that we were talking about last last segment too. It's it takes a lot. It takes a lot. And yeah, you're right. That's all Jack Grealish knows, Aston Villa, or that's all he knew up until July of last, or, or, or July. That's all he knew. And yeah, he's in a different city, same same country, different city. But man, I mean, if, if he didn't want to do it, he could have easily stayed at Aston Villa. He could have easily, you know, forced his his not his way back because he never left but he could have could have forced the team to not sell and i don't think he's regretting it right now or maybe he is but yeah you you even 
you look at him play and you see that he doesn't he doesn't have as many successful dribbles as he usually did. He he can't take on two or three players anymore. He's whenever I see him play, he's always out on the wing. He's not doing much else. He, he stays wide. When in reality, we know that his game is in those half spaces, in the middle, playing a good through ball and and even finishing whatever opportunity he may have. But yeah, there's so many elements that that can be going wrong for Jack Grealish, and we just don't know because we're not there, right? Um, anything mm-hmm. else you want to add? Because this this is a really, really good one, and I think we might have to expand a little more and talk about this in a full segment later on down the line. No, not 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 at this point. Um, you know, it's still open. The book is not closed on Jack Grealish. It's still early December, so he has plenty of time to turn it around, but something's going to have to give. I, I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. He in the Premier League, you don't have much time to adjust. You either do it or you don't. And yeah. it's not the league that's the problem. It might just be the the elements of of missing home that that is the issue. Because we know that he's done it in the Premier League. We know that he can do it. We know that he can do it against the opponents. Yeah, I think that's the major. That's the confusing part about it, right? They they wanted Harry Kane and Jack Grealish because these are guys that. They're going to pay big money on with with no risk. These guys mm-hmm. knew the league. They've been bossing this league for the last two, three, four years. That's why Manchester City targeted these players. So I think it's it's very uh, interesting to see how it's all playing out. Somebody somebody asked, actually, um, before we, we, we finish on this, somebody asked Pep Guardiola, do you think it's going to take year two to see the full qualities of Jack Grealish and his full impact on Manchester City? And his response was, if you get to, see, if you, it takes two years for you to see Jack Grealish's abilities, I fail. And I, I think that's, no, I, I, I completely agree. I think Jack Grealish is that type of talent that if it's going to take two years to embed him, something's wrong there. Maybe the formation, maybe some who you're interlocking, who, who's having those, those relationships on the field. Who the left back is, who who's the who's the midfielder on his side, something's got to give there because you can't have this this talent and waste time. Yeah, well, I I had no idea Pep Guardiola said that, but pff, that's a lot of pressure too for Pep. That's a whole lot of pressure for him. Good thing he doesn't have much hair to lose. Um, okay, <laughs> okay, my unpopular opinion. Ready for this one, Chris? I feel like stats and soccer. In football, kind of irrelevant. Expected goals, expected assists. What does that do for anything? I, I never, I never sit here and read up on expected goals from a player, expected assists from a player. The close or the sooner you start talking about expected goals, the faster I check out. Don't really care for that stat. Never cared for that stat. Don't understand what the purpose of that stat is. It's just there. It's for an argument. It's a bit irrelevant, in my opinion. I know that the world is evolving. We're more numbers-based now. But I just feel like the film doesn't lie. Watch the game. That's all you need. Watch the game. Of course... Some assist, some assist, some stats are they're good to know, 
the expected goal, expected assist. I just think it's it's just incredibly unnecessary. We can do without it. I I don't really understand the purpose of it. Maybe you can you can shine some light on me because I I honestly I I do have no no idea what the purpose of the XG is. Uh so look, I, I can't sit here and tell you I know exactly what those stats mean or what they don't mean. But I I do have a background in analytics. And funny enough, um, my favorite baseball team is actually looking for a coach right now. And, and he's an old guy. Like the favorite for this position is an old guy who they say doesn't favor numbers. And hearing him talk about it is what really sparked what I'm going to say regarding stats. Um, these numbers, we have so much data and so much technology now. You can find numbers to, to, to tell a story, however story you want to tell it. So in essence, expected goals, expected assists, whatever those stats uh, tell you, they also don't tell you something. So that's why I feel like, uh, that's why you, you, you feel that way. You can say, I don't know what this is telling me because it's not necessarily telling me this person's going to score a bunch of goals. It's, it's telling me that they expect him to, right? Or they expect a, a, a bunch of assists or something like that. These stats, if utilized correctly, they help these players, right? They help them prepare. They help them know what they're doing right and also know and help them prepare for what they're, what they're lacking and what they're not bringing to the table. But I think it's very important that you shed, you, you lift the veil on what the, mem- what the number, what the like, stat is supposed to tell you. And you also be very transparent in what it provides and what it doesn't provide. And I think once you have that understanding, you can utilize that information and that data to your advantage. Um, what it actually all means, the, 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 that, that expected stat, I can't sit here and break it down for you. I, I honestly, I don't know myself. But um, you're right. You know, while those stats tell a story, that's just part of the story. I think you also have to have the good old eye test. Nowadays, you have numbers and you can, you can, like I said, you can tell whatever story you want. They don't always make sense. I, you could, you could, these numbers now, it's almost like they, you can use them for any argument. Somebody, no, there, there was something that they had the other day. It was like, when Ronaldo scored against Atalanta, he scored against 37 teams whereas Leo Messi has only scored against 36 in the Champions League and it's like who cares who cares <laughs> like what are they talking who who cares what are you what stat are you giving me right now so by that token I just think it gets a little silly now where we do have access to a lot of information but you got to be careful about how you, what you use it for and how you present it. And that was hopefully what I tried to accomplish with this soliloquy that, that involved the New York Mets <laughs> manager. But it, 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 it's getting a little kooky now where these stats are, are getting really meaningless the more, the more stats that they come up with. Perfect term, meaningless. It feels also as if a lot of these stats are made just for content. They're exactly. Made, they're made just so the guys in front of a camera, not necessarily us, because I don't remember ever dropping a stat, like, ever. I don't... Uh, 
you're a numbers guy, Chris. I know you're a numbers guy because it's your day job, that's what it is, right? And I respect it because you don't come out here and talk about the expected goals and, and shit like that. You literally just said, I don't even know what that means. And it's very responsible of you to not use it because you don't you don't understand it. And by the sound of it, doesn't really sound like you cared to understand it. And that's okay. We watch the game. I Again, we pride ourselves on being very, very knowledgeable when it comes to this. More, more knowledgeable than, than others because we watch a lot. But yeah, I mean, they just use these stats. So... They can fill those five minutes that they're going to talk and then commercial break and then they, they need to fill in another seven minutes and they can only they only have content for four minutes and then they'll just fill another three minutes with stats. That's what it feels like. And that's not the point of a stat. That's not the point of a number. That's why the expected goal, expected assist. What are you telling me? <laughs> what, what, what does this mean? That's That's where I stand. Again, the quicker you get to expected goals, expected assists, expected saves, I think that's even one. The quicker, the quicker I, I, I check out, I'm like, "Cool, dude. What, what are you? What, what is this? What are you trying to tell me?" Alex, let me give you a little fun fact, man. I don't know if you knew this, but this is like something that that was really fascinating to me because I, I'm in the numbers business, so mm-hmm. it, it turned my head big time. Uh, do you know Brentford? Yes. They just got promoted to the to the English Premier League, and of course. they're yeah. playing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brentford based their recruitment on analytics completely. Mm-hmm. Like what I mean by that is like they have a really beefed up analytics department, and they just come up with all of these stats that we were just talking about: expected goals, expected assists, expected, and they recruit players based on that rather than the the old school way which is having a network of scouts and having going to games and watching them and thinking about how they implement Brentford completely revolutionized that and they just completely go based off the stats and it worked for them so I think there definitely is a place in the game for it you gotta have like this blend for it to Mm -hmm. all work yeah like Brentford, while they, they, they really base it off the numbers, they have somebody like Thomas Frank that's really personable. So you probably ha- they have that mix where somebody like that is having the final say over these number-based decisions, which is great. That's the kind of mix you need. But it, it's, it could be really useful if you understand, like, like what I said earlier, if you understand what it, what it, what it says and what it doesn't say. Mm-hmm. If you just blindly follow the numbers, it won't ever work. And that's why, while, while what I read is that Brentford do have a, a numbers-based uh, 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 recruiting uh, uh, plan, there's, I, I can't see them just blindly following that to the death because there's no way you can, you can just follow these stats and expect success. Um, I think in any sport, there's, there's definitely a mix of all of that. There's a mix of analytics, there's a mix of man management, a mix of luck, a mix of health, a mix of, you know, the medical team, which is something we don't really give a lot of kudos to in sports. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a big mix of that into what goes into what is a successful team. So I think there's a place in it, but I think you also have to be very careful 
<laughs> not to value one over the other um, and use, use, utilize all of it correctly. For sure. And did we just create a conversation here, Chris? I think we created a conversation about stats in our, in our sport. And it would be nice to have someone that works in those types of departments. And I'm, I'm, now I'm looking directly at the camera and saying, hey, if there's anyone out there that works for an MLS team or a lower league team and they work in the stats department, if, if, they, if there is one, and I'm sure that there's plenty of teams that have stats departments in the MLS, reach out to us. We would love to speak to you and, and really, really explain to us what certain stats mean. Uh, but going back to Brentford and, and what you were saying about them, yeah, they definitely have a very different scouting model or scouting criteria, rather, or not criteria, model, structure, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But I'm sure that the stats are specific. I'm sure Thomas Frank looks at his team, and I, I'm just going to say something off the top of my head. We need a left back, but I want a left back or a left wing back because they play with the back three, whatever. Um, I want a wing back that is this age, that is this height. I want him to to be a little more sound defensively than attacking uh, and this and that. And then that's when they start looking for certain players. And then the stats might tell them something like, okay, well... This guy has made, I don't know, this amount of tackles or he's made this and he's played the, the, these amount of games and he's only scored these amount of goals and and uh, if he's a starter, he's played in so-and-so amount of minutes. Like, it's very specific for what the coach is looking for. That's what I think happens. Again, I don't know because I'm not there, but that's that's what makes sense to me. And this is why I'm reaching out and and inviting people. This is an open invitation. I would love to hear from someone that is actually there in the nitty gritty and sees the numbers with this context. That's exactly what what I want. But yeah, Chris, this is this is fun. This really sparked the conversation. Yeah, no, it, it, it's something that has it is really intriguing. Um, Chelsea had just won the Champions League, and everybody was saying the the best. The best run club in London just got promoted to the Premier League. That's that's how they titled that story, and that's what turned my head. I was like, "Damn! Well, all right, let me read into this club." And I, I they said they they illustrated how different their approach was regarding the recruitment and how that data driven it all was, and and how they took uh, certain chances on these players. And then I saw them play. And they all, like you said, they're, it, it, it definitely is all in unison because these players that recruit that they did recruit, they all suited Thomas Frank's uh, uh, philosophy and the way his, the, the team dynamic perfectly. You could look at Brentford, and I know Ivan Tony, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, I, I can sit here and I probably don't know much more. I know there's one more other forward player that plays really well for them. I can't remember his name. But that's my point. All they all Brentford. When you watch them play, they all play like this this buzzing team that just gravitate towards the ball when they don't have it, and when they do have it, they all push forward. So it, it's all like you said. It's 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 the team vision based on Thomas Frank's 
uh, 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 his plan, his formation, what he wants out of his team. But then they utilize those numbers to to get the right players in, and lo and behold, it's working. It's like Moneyball. I don't know if you've seen that with with that, that movie with Jonah Hill. It's like it's like Moneyball, where uh, you you don't necessarily just go for the big names. Uh, you utilize the, uh, the 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 stats that you have in front of you and get the best fit for the team. So it's really a, a fascinating topic. It's really intriguing, and it's one that's just growing in the game. So. That was a great topic from you. Oh man, well, thank you. I appreciate that, and and of course, it's great insight from you because you you are a person that is very knowledgeable with with numbers. So yeah, again, once again, once again, absolutely, once again, uh, open invitation for anyone that wants to talk about this. We would love to hear it. All right, that'll do it from us. We went on long enough. This was very fun, Chris. Where can they find you if they want to contact you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. My name is Chris Solo Dolo underscore. That's Chris S O L O D O L O underscore. There you go. Follow him there, and you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Alex Perez FC. Thank you all so much. Take care. Enjoy the week. Goodbye.